Thanks for listening to the RTS Washington Faculty Podcast. I'm Timo Sazo, Director of Admissions and Executive Producer and Editor of this podcast. In this episode, Dr. Tommy Keen and I talk about imagery in the Book of Revelation. So in my, my church, we've been going through Revelation in Sunday school. We've been taking one chapter a week, and Revelation is a difficult book, and it's, it's very different from pretty much every other book in the Bible, except for a few chapters in Daniel. And one thing that is really easy to get hung up on is the imagery. Uh, there's imagery all over, uh, and it's hard to interpret. So you, as a, as a professor who teaches hermeneutics, do you have any insights? Can you give us any help and guidance as we look at the book of Revelation? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and it's, it's a challenging issue because, precisely because, you know, there's so much of it. It's not just that there are these kind of cryptic images. It's that you can't get out of a paragraph without wondering, you know, what are the horns represent? Why 1260 days? You know, what, what do each of these kinds of images indicate for us and how should I interpret them? And kind of the wrong way to go about it is to get bogged down in the details. Actually, when you said we're going kind of chapter by chapter, that is great. I mean, big chunks are the way to read Revelation as a whole. In fact, I did a little guide on RTS's Wisdom Wednesday thing on which you can find on YouTube, and there's a there's a post on TGC, kind of like how to read uh, Revelation, and that and and that kind of chapter by chapter approach, read in big chunks and immerse yourself in the book, is a critical aspect of appropriating these things well. Um, let those images wash over you. Don't initially, at least worry about the details and get bogged down in the kind of nitty gritty of the book. Because a lot of the images, uh, the big images are fairly clear. And I think of Revelation 12, the woman and the dragon. Uh, the Revelation 12, John tells you what the dragon is. It's the devil. And so now you've got to figure out kind of like who the woman is and who her children are and who the male child is. And that's not easy, but John has given you the, the kind of key point. And now you can see the kind of structure of the narrative at that point. So the first exhortation would be, don't get bogged down in the details, follow the big images. And then secondly, see how those big images fit within the narrative. The, the revelation is not kind of a series of encoded propositions. Rather, it comes to us in a narrative, as a vision, as a story, with a, a texture and a flow uh, to that story. Let the story drive your interpretation. What is Revelation 12 about? It is about a woman who is being oppressed by a dragon and is saved by the forces of heaven in a cosmic battle. And that's something that's pretty obvious. It's not hard to understand. What you're doing is you're just unpacking that text uh, in terms of the storyline. Actually, I was reading, I, 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 I'll, I'll confess, I've never made it through Pilgrim's Progress uh, to my great shame. And 
was part of a Bible study that wanted to do Pilgrim's Progress. And I was like, okay, this is my opportunity to make it through Pilgrim's Progress. And I, I picked up a copy that had Leland Riken's kind of intro to Pilgrim's Progress at the beginning of it. And I thought, okay, well, this is good. Got a literary scholar. He's, he's, he's going to help me understand this book. And he said at the beginning of the book that the reason why so many people fail to make it through and appreciate Pilgrim's Progress is because you get the, the part of your brain that is constantly active is the part that's asking, well, what does this mean? And what does this mean? And what does this mean? What does this represent? What's the slow of despond? How do I pronounce slow? You know, th that part of your brain is the part that you're, you're exercising. And what you need to exercise is the more narrative part of your brain. Just read it as a travel story, as a good kind of pilgrimage type of story. And let that be active on the first read. And what will happen is those symbolic markers will fall into place as important for the narrative, even if you don't know what they mean. And then you can go back and kind of figure out what they represent. Super helpful. And I almost made it all the way through Pilgrim's Progress that time. Uh, but it was, it, was a, it was a great insight that it's the narrative that frames the symbols, not the other way around. Same thing for Revelation. Let the narrative be the framing principle. Focus on the big picture. Focus on the storyline as a whole. And then the third point I'd have for you. So one, let focus on the big images, not the small images. The dragon, the woman, not the 1260 days. Two, let the narrative drive your interpretation. What's the storyline here? How, does, how do the pictures drive the story, not the other way around? And then third, don't be afraid of your imagination. I know that our audience is good, reformed, propositional, theological kinds of folks, and all of those things are good. It's good to be reformed. It's good to love propositions. It's good to be theologically oriented. But God gave us an imagination, and these images are tools for which our imagination is fit. We are given these symbols because they excite our imagination and are to be used by our imagination to appropriate what God is telling us. So put yourself into the images. Don't de-image Revelation. Don't turn Revelation into a series of propositions. Rather, stand, uh, stand before the dragon and be terrified. Stand before the, watch the heavenly hosts destroying the dragon and rejoice. Stand under the mercy seat of God and the picture of the white rider who leads his church to victory and be glad and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what Revelation wants, is that these images then drive our will and our passion and our heart to worship. Uh, so don't be afraid of your imagination here. Uh, rather, let your imagination do the work and let these images then drive you to Christ. Excellent. So now my follow-up question is, why was there silence in heaven for about half an hour? <sighs> You're getting into the details. What, what, what passage are you <laughs> <laughs> chapter eight just kidding just kidding yeah. i i wanted to totally ignore what you just said for the last five minutes 
I was going to ask, so why so much imagery? Because people seem frustrated. People seem to want to have kind of like the propositional meaning behind it. But you kind of like you answered that with your third point. So then I was like, I don't think I have a follow up. Well, I think also why there's so much imagery is because of the genre. Um, you know, it's, it is okay. apocalyptic and part of the character of apocalyptic lit- literature. And, and we see this in Revelation 1. I talk about it in the, the Wisdom Wednesday thing that it is, it is a vision. Hmm. You know, John is instructed to write down what he sees. And so the first mode, you know, the medium determines the message, right? And the first medium by which John receives this is visual. Hmm. He sees it. He doesn't hear it. He sees it and he's got to write it down. So of course it's going to be uh, so much imagery. So you can apply those principles to Revelation 8. When, you know, what, what does silence, my first question would not be, why is there silence? But what is the effect of the silence on the narrative? Like if I sit with that silence for a while, what's the effect? And the effect is like that moment of silence, right? It, it actually intensifies what's going to happen. And it's significant then that it's the, the seventh seal that is broken. And mm-hmm. Revelation, if you're following the narrative, it's the series of sevens, seven, 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 seven. So we get to the seventh seal and as, it's as if there's a pause, mm-hmm. as if there's a, a drawing out of, um, you know, it's, it's like in the movies where the bad guy, you know, it goes into slow motion as the bad guy is lifting the, the, yeah. the, the axe to destroy the good guy and then suddenly you know swoops in the you know the guarding sword or whatever like that we've been reading a lot of Tolkien with the kids and uh you know it's that it's that kind of moment in the Mm -hmm. book and so it has that narrative yeah yeah it's like tension suspense um yeah that's awesome great great Tommy you've solved all my all my uh, all the mysteries. <laughs> <laughs>